Hello, this is Dr. Eva Yakovi, and today we'll be mapping libido on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Eva Yacobi. Dr. Eva Yacobi holds a doctorate degree in naturopathic medicine from Bastyr University, California. Dr. Yacobi also has extensive training from the Institute of Functional Medicine. She is deeply committed to helping women heal their hormonal, reproductive, and metabolic dysfunctions in order to truly discover who they are and who they can be on this beautiful journey we call life. Dr. Eva, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. So all morning, I'll confess, I've been thinking about how fun it's going to be to talk with you about <laughs> libido. <laughs> what a nice yeah. way to like, you know, demarcate the day, libido day. Before we get into all the fun stuff and how we support libido, can you provide us with a good grounding definition of what libido is? Yeah, absolutely. You know, libido on a very basic level is the desire for pleasure, sexual pleasure specifically. And that's on a very fundamental level. And it is conditioned by hormonal psychological factors, right? As we know. So that's how I generally speak to libido. Yeah, it's so interesting because we can then think about all the things that might impact the hormones and the psychological factors is there anything that you're aware of, of when we started to be aware that there was a libido, that there was this thing, any historical information in medicine or elsewhere that's spoken to libido? I haven't done that research, but now that you're bringing that up, I'm certainly going to. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean... The way I see it is that it comes really from the test of time, right? There's always been the conversation or you see it in the sculptures. If I'm thinking Rome or I'm thinking some of these like really ancient art, for example, I feel like it's representative of libido. But like I said, I would have to absolutely dig into that. And it's a great question. Yeah, I know. It, would be, it just made me think about like, when did it come sort of online that we started realizing there were hormonal and psychological things that impact our desire and our 
desire for pleasure. So if we think about the factors that you've seen in practice that impact people's libido, what are the primary ones, like which hormonal imbalances or what other things in that center part of the matrix do you see in conjunction with people coming in saying, I have a low libido? Yeah. If I'm looking at the matrix, it's definitely falls in with a number of these because from a hormonal perspective, we're definitely dealing with, you know, thyroid, adrenal, sex hormone in that realm. I work primarily with women, but it's the idea of super burnt out or super go, go, go where their adrenals or thyroid. And then ultimately their sex hormones have taken a hit and there's just nothing left in the tank to even have any sense of desire. So the hormone, hormonal piece is one aspect and then detoxification for sure feeds into that in the sense if we're dealing with, you know, like an estrogen dominant or low progesterone, low, low estrogen simultaneously, whether it's premenopausal, perimenopausal, menopausal, depending on which, in which realm, stress and energy production, you know, with the adrenals and thyroid being taxed, it impacts our mitochondrial function and vice versa, right? Like sometimes it's which comes first. I mean, I could hit every single one of them. Yeah, exactly, hit, right? I, could hit every single one. <laughs> I know that's the whole point, right? Everything <laughs> in the body is connected. We can't think yeah. about the hormones and that estrogen dominance without thinking about the environmental inputs and the gut and detoxification. And when we think about those hormones and those sex hormones, we can't think about those without thinking about the adrenals, the thyroid, blood sugar balance. I mean, there's just so many things that almost libido becomes like the cherry on the icing on top of the cake. hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm glad you had me pull this up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Every, everything in the body is connected. So I also yeah. like to say we are all unique and I know you and I are in agreement there. Yeah. Are there also, if we think about the psychological triggers that impact libido, things from our past that we may need to uncover as clinicians? I mean, oftentimes people are coming in with their laundry list of symptoms or even diagnoses, but they're not telling us their whole story and we might be trying to quote unquote fix their libido issues without realizing something that maybe have impacted it from their past. What's that look like in your practice? And what would you advise to us in terms of psychological antecedents and triggers and libido? Yeah, that's a huge area because I've seen over and over, you know, there's a level of trauma, whether it's trauma with a big T, you know, your major traumas or your micro traumas along the way. And, you know, from things like sexual abuse as a child to just, you know, incidents that happen throughout life on a sexual level, but then also just overall self-worth is a huge one. Or not understanding how to relate to themselves as a woman in a very <laughs> masculine-driven society. If I'm thinking, again, because I, I work primarily with women, I find that a lot of it is around self-worth feeling connected or disconnected from their body 
whether that's from because of traumas in the past or just from having a long history of going so hard, right? Driving towards career goals, what like marriage, children, all these things, they just add up. Yeah. You can't kind of access that libido piece. I'm glad you brought up the self-worth piece because I was wondering where you see body image or body dysmorphia, which we can say is its own trauma with a big T or little T that so many of us have experienced throughout our lifetime in relation to then the kind of playfulness we can get into with our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. It's a very big issue. I mean, libido and pleasure is about letting go. And like you said, it's like being able to play. And when we don't even see or feel the value of ourselves, allowing ourselves to a feel or feel pleasure, feel emotion, and then just to be able to play, whether it's with yourself or with another, becomes very challenging and hard to access. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking when you said to feel pleasure, I imagine for so many women, there's also the deservability and like coming into that state of relaxation to receive and be able to, as you said, let go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard. I find for most women I speak to, and especially with little kids where they, they just have so much going on and they come to me and they say, I, I have no libido, but the last thing that they're able to do is to find those bits of time throughout the day where they can actually connect in with themselves. And I found that, you know, if when you lose intimacy with yourself, it's very hard to create intimacy with another. Mm, that's so interesting. And it really makes me think about how as practitioners, we may be quick to jump to the sex hormone dysregulation, which as we've discussed, is kind of sitting atop all these other hormonal imbalances. So we really have to get down to those roots of the hormone imbalances, which may very well be in the gut, but also that we need to dive into the actual lifestyle and the belief systems and how interconnected those things are to libido. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So it takes work. It takes partnership. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Imagine it. it does take work. I know the number of the ladies I work with, they're like, I thought I was just coming here to, you know, balance my hormones and we're doing all these other things. I feel like we've just gone through therapy or just done this, just done that. And I'm like, I know because it's work. Yeah, it is work. Yeah. So all those other things, let's talk about <laughs> all those other things. What are the things we can practically do to get back in touch with or cultivate that libido? Yeah. So, I mean, on a very basic level, it's the foundation have to have to start with the foundations of sleep, of exercise and movement, of nutrition, hydration, stress, managing stress and relationships. That is absolutely number one. And I always start with the stress piece because the majority of people that are coming to me are in sympathetic overdrive of some sort that no matter really what we do to really 
make a powerful shift or help create a powerful shift, we've got to address that because you can't heal in like a stress state, right? So, you know, really looking at the nutrition and making sure it's focused on whole foods and quality fats and protein and your kind of high quality carbs, making sure they're moving, that they're not just sitting still because so much stagnation just energetically happens in that stillness. Sleeping, we know that's a, always a non-negotiable. And looking at relationships, are there toxic relationships? What are the relationships you have with yourself? All these really fundamental pieces. Yeah. It makes me think, Dr. Eva, of like, where are we expecting libido to happen, right? Like in the in relationship sector, like are we expecting libido to occur in a relationship where we don't feel safe? And by that, I mean, it could even be with ourselves and how as practitioners, are we doing that work? Like you said, that kind of therapeutic partnership work to uncover what does that even mean for you that you don't have a libido? Because it is one of those things our clients and patients will come to us with. I have low libido. They'll self-diagnose. Right. Yes, it's true. And that's a, a really powerful question. Like, what does that mean to you? Because it can mean something different to everyone. And it most likely does, even though it has this general meaning, right? Like in comparison to what? To when you were 20? Let's say if you're 40 now or 30 or, you know, wherever you are as far as age. But that, wow, that's a really great, a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So we work on these basics. We work on this deep understanding. Are there other ways that you as a clinician are inviting people to get in touch with their libido? Yeah. So, I mean, there is some things I do, of course, with herbs herbs and supplements. Again, a lot of it is adrenal and like adaptogenic herbs, things like maca. One herb I love is Damiana, a happy herb, or something like Albizia, which is also a very happy herb. So working with herbs like that, but I do also very much tap into more of the energetic realm also. It's a passion that I have is looking at like feminine energy and masculine energy and so putting together the pieces of the, you know, from the, the nutrition, the exercise, the movement, but also bringing in this level of the feminine versus masculine on an energetic level. I love that. And <laughs> we all have a different balance, I'm assuming, <laughs> spectrum. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're male or female, we all have right. the feminine and masculine energies, right? So it's also how do we dance within those energies? ourselves like individually and then with others and again living in a world that's very it's just has been designed that way you know it's very masculine it's very go 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 push 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 achieve 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 which is very different from feminine energy which is flow and ease and receive you know how do we learn to dance with that and allow our feminine to rise or just be present so how do we, how do we invite the feminine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great question. Part of it is a allowing ourselves to slow down, mm. you know, whether it's taking a few minutes, you know, transitioning like from the busyness of the day to dinner or busyness of the day into before you go to bed, it's 
allowing that time to really slow down and connect in with yourself. What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? But it is also bringing in some like very basic sensual or sensuality practices, you know, whether it's like buying your favorite lotions or oils and you know rubbing them on your body taking a little bit more time in the in the shower to really connect in with yourself or buying yourself flowers you know so some of these are like very basic i love buying myself flowers right <laughs> i actually have yes. them delivered to myself every other week <laughs> oh i love that i love that so yeah like some of them are super basic but it's just the power of honoring yourself and paying attention and treating yourself, really taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of like in the moment, like even whether you're with a partner or by yourself, like carving out the time, like this is our time to be intimate. Cause I think sometimes we think we're supposed to feel something like you said, I mean, I'm 55. So I don't feel libido like I did when I was 25, but I need to cultivate it. It's a different impulse. So I'm just wondering what your thoughts are there in terms of like setting aside the time to libido eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really important. I mean, some people are more open to that. They're like, what do you mean schedule it in? Right. So to some people it really like kind of is mind bending to think of that. But at the same time, it's this it's kind of like the idea of date night, right? It's like almost can be a non-negotiable, like this is our time together and it's gonna be different from just the day to day. You know, not just like the busyness of the day, but this is really, we're going to prioritize this time. And I think it is really powerful to do that because then it's also like excitement can build or there's like, can be this anticipation. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like a notion of like, if you cultivate the habit, it starts to happen again. I don't want to say fake it till you make it because we don't want to promote that. But I think if you set aside the time and start with the togetherness, it can be cultivated in that moment as well. And it may not feel like it used to. Right. And also being okay that it might feel different now or whether you're on your own, whether you're with the same partner or a different partner, because, you know, many years ago, it's also really being okay and not judging yourself one way or the other is super important. Yeah. So many things to think about with libido alone. I love that we got to explore the energetics and that carving out of time for ourselves and that desire and that desire for pleasure. Is there anything else that you wish other practitioners knew when addressing libido that you feel like they, we are doing all wrong and you get patients who have been kind of incorrectly treated for what they're defining as libido issues? Nothing that specifically comes to mind, but the one thing is really being conscious of how is, and I think most functional medicine practitioners are, but how is this person actually living their life and how connected with themselves are they yes. in reality? Yeah. 
Because it's one of those things of like, okay, we can create a beautiful plan, but if we're not tapping into how connected is this person to themselves, we're going to miss so much of it. Such an important point to end on. Dr. Eva, thank you so much for joining me and for talking about this important topic. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.